Welcome to the Podiatry Business Podcast, brought to you by your host, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. The podcast that is designed to help current and aspiring podiatry clinic owners to make the most of their clinic, turning it into a true business that can work without them, allowing them the freedom to earn more, work less, and live a better life. Welcome to the latest episode of More Practice Profits Podcast. And in today's episode, what I'm going to be talking about is all things blogs. Now, what happens, I notice a lot of the times when I start working with a client and I tell them we need to start doing some blogs, is there is a large groan and they don't like the idea of doing blogs. Now, I understand that. I'm uh, I'm a podiatrist too, I'm a medic, and I understand that what you want to be doing is you want to be treating patients. And writing blogs is not something that necessarily you want to be spending your week doing. But bear with me and we will have a solution towards the end of it. However, blogs are very beneficial for your business. And they're beneficial for a number of ways. Firstly is they allow you to build up an SEO or search engine optimization. Now, if you don't know what that means, that basically means that when somebody types something into Google and it's the free results that they that Google will show them. So if they type in something about plantar fasciitis, for example, what you'd like is you'd like your blog or your website to appear in the free listings. Now, obviously, you can appear in the paid listings at the top using Google AdWords, but you'd also like to still appear in the free listings underneath. This is SEO. And um, gone are the days when you can simply write a page and pack it full of keywords on whatever condition you want to appear. Google is uh, has wised up to that and essentially what you need is you need a proper blog to uh, attract Google's algorithm and to, for them to show it to you. So SEO um, using blogs is, is really useful. Second thing it does is it allows you to build authority because if you've written um, a, a publication, um, in this case a blog, on something, you will come across as an authority on it. It's as simple as that. And, and having lots of different blogs for lots of different conditions and lots of different questions that you get asked that you build up over time will build up an even bigger authority in the eyes of your patients. The third thing that I love about our blogs in my clinic, and I'd recommend you do, is when somebody rings up with X condition, get your reception team before that person comes in to say, look, we've got a blog on that. We'll send you that blog. You can have a read of it before your first appointment. Um, and the, the patients love it. They love the fact that when they're, they, before they've even come, they're getting great customer service, that the reception team even knows um, plenty about the condition because that's what it appears when they're sending on some information that you've written on it. And also, it builds your authority for that first appointment, which is so important when you want that patient to buy into the treatment plan that you need. So let's talk about how you write your blog. So the first thing and the most important part of your blog is that you pick a headline, um, a headline that is going to attract attention. And not only attention of the person who's about to read it, but also attention of the Google algorithm. Because how you would do that is you will ask, or you'll write a blog rather, on the topics that your patients are asking you week to week, because they're the same questions that they're typing into Google. And if you're not too sure how to do this, it's pretty easy to find how to do this using the Google's keyword planner inside Google AdWords, all free. So start writing down the questions that patients patients ask you day to day, 
and start turning them into blogs. Um, a really important headline is the most important part. And you want to be spending about 60 to 70% of your time actually focusing on the headline as opposed to focusing on the content itself, believe it or not. Because if you don't catch that person's attention in the headline, they're not going to read the first line and then the second line and the third line. So an example of a really good headline would be, what is Severs? That's nice and simple. It's the kind of thing that somebody will, will who's interested in Severs will um, click on, will want to read the rest of it. A poor um, headline would be something, and this is something I'd see quite commonly, would be typical presentation of calcaneal epiphysitis in juveniles. Now, I, I understand this is much more professional but it's not what your patients are are actually looking for. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to write the blog for your patients. We're not trying to write it for another clinician. If you were write it, trying to write it for another clinician, then that's a totally different thing. That's not a blog. That's a research paper. Um, these blogs I'm talking about are what you're writing for your patients. Now, you don't have to have a very long blog for it to be effective. So minimum 400 words, maximum 1,000 words. When I have my staff do it, I recommend that they do it for somewhere between four and 600 words because it's enough for your patients to read. They don't want to read a large piece uh, of information, a big long article on anything. They want to get the information quickly, especially nowadays when we're on our smartphones and that's where we're reading, we want to skim through it. So having a big, long, dense article is not going to get what you want. You want a, a, a relatively short punchy article about an aim for i would tell you four to six hundred words and if you really need to maximum a thousand words but don't feel that you need to have a thousand words for it to be effective a really good blog one of the most successful blogs we ever had in our clinic was written by a brand new grad on veruca and it was 500 words um what you also want to do then is you want to break your short paragraphs into a maximum of three to four lines for similar reasons a because a large, dense paragraph of type is going to put people off. Short paragraphs, maximum three or four lines. Personally, I like to write them in two-line paragraphs. And I know this is not the kind of thing you'll do when you're uh, writing a book or you're writing, uh, you're writing a research paper or whatever. But this is not what this is about. And we need to almost forget what we learned on how to write in college because we're writing a different thing. You want to try and have bullet points um, or bold text in your blog or even numbered lists because, like I said, people will scan and you want them to take the most useful information or the, the highlight the information you really want them to know. So an example would be um, you might do, um, we'll go back to the other one, what is Severs? And you might have four points. And so you'll have point number one, which is in bold. You'll have point number two, which is in bold, and so forth. And inside, in each point, the paragraph might be two paragraphs of maybe two or three lines each. And the words in those paragraphs that you really want them to read might then be themselves in bold. Because when we skim across it, it's the bold, it's the numbers, it's the bullet points that we tend to look at. You want to make sure that when you're writing it, you're writing it for somebody who has a reading age of a 10-year-old. Because... While we have been trained in college to write for lecturers and to write for other medics, writing for the public like this is a turnoff and it is not going to achieve what you're looking to achieve, which is that something that they're going to stay on. Because if you write a blog that is 
easy to read, easy to, to, to get the information, that person will stay on it for a lot longer. The Google algorithm will notice that and it will think that that person found that article useful and it will therefore start to show it more often in your SEO. So try and write it for a 10-year-old. So I have, um, my eldest son is, is just gone 12 and I tell all of my staff, imagine you, and they've all met him, imagine you're writing it for him and if he doesn't understand it, it's too technical. Try Similarly, try to make sure you have no jargon, okay, and there's no need for any references. R having references in a blog is not going to impress your patients. They don't care. They're not going to look up the references. And don't be concerned that if one of your competitors or peers, medical peers, looks at it and says there is no references, you're not writing it for them. It's just similarly like when you read the newspaper at the weekend, they don't have references in that. It doesn't mean it's not correct. If somebody wants the references, let them call you. But there's no need to have references. And don't be put off by the idea that I must have references in everything I say. That is just simply not the case. Don't forget at the end of your blog to have a call to action. Ask them to do something. So it may well be, for example, if I go back to what is Severs, the call to action might be nice and simple. If you think that you that one of your family has severs, click this button here to give us a call and we'll see uh, we'll get you in and get your your child back in action. Something simple like that, but don't forget to have a call for action because um, that person has spent time reading your article, reading your blog. Now is the opportunity to suggest they take that next step, which is to come and see you. Don't forget, you can repurpose your blogs over and over and over again. So you can put them up on Facebook. You can put them into Google My Business. You can um, attach them as an email and send it out to your patients as useful information. And you can indeed use the same blog year after year after year. Just because you've written the blog last year or two years ago, it doesn't mean you can't reuse it again because uh, it's still useful information. It's still valid information. And don't feel that that's the case, that you have to write a brand new blog every single week. If you're busy, you haven't got time, just republish one you've done maybe 12 months before. So you know how to do the blog. You know that it's not that difficult. You know how important it is. But now you're stuck for time. How am I going to do this? Well, very simple. I haven't written a blog in my clinic, I'd say, in three years. So what I do, and what I'd recommend you do, is you systemize this process. So go back over this email and write out the points that I've told you here. Turn it into a, a simple document on how to write a blog. Give it to one of your staff and delegate the process. So what we would have in my clinic is we would have a different clinician write a blog once a week. So uh, if you imagine you have, let's imagine you have four clinicians working for you. Once a month, they have to write one blog. So we put you put the time aside, you block out maybe 30 minutes for them to sit down and write out a blog. And they send it to you. You have it edited by your admin team, put onto your website, put onto your Facebook page, your Google My Business, and so on. Um, so it's not a case that you have to sit down every single week and come up with it. It could be that you decide the headline. So you could sit down, maybe you put an hour aside, once a month, once every two months, and you come up with a number of headlines and you schedule send emails to your staff telling them, I need a blog by the end of today, four to 600 words, and this is the headline. Simple as that. And attach, here is how you write a blog. So you can see blogs are not going to be that difficult to do and they will really add to your uh, authority of your business and help with your marketing. If you're listening to this podcast, 
and you believe that your clinic is not delivering the lifestyle you expected it to deliver. Maybe you're working longer hours than everyone else. Maybe you're not being paid as much as you thought you would be paid for all of the work that you're putting in. I understand that. I've been in that situation. And what I found worked for me was getting some help. I would suggest you consider looking at our website, morepracticeprofits.com, and look at the help that me and my team can give you with our mentorship program and so on. Owning and running your own health clinic does not have to be the slog that perhaps you're finding it is at the moment. So with that, this is Lorcan Donnelly signing out until next week.